There's an important question that arises when you think about the incarnation. We think about the birth of Jesus Christ. And that question is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And your answer to that question is all important. Who is Jesus? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this question is posed. Jesus is there with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13, Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, saying, and here's the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So Jesus asked his disciples, who do people think I am? Or who do people say that I am? And there was a, quite a variety of responses here. The disciples in verse 14 said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist. They, they, they're John the Baptist. Well, who was John the Baptist? Well, he was dead. He'd been beheaded, but maybe Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated or come back to life. Says some, Elias, Elijah. Elijah has come back, a prophet. And others, oh, this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet has come back to life. Or one of the prophets. So Jesus asked this question. He says, who do men say that I am? What's the word on the street? Who do people think I am? Disciples say, well, we've heard a lot of people think that you're one of these great prophets. And then Jesus turns and gives them this question. In verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ. That word Christ means the deliverer, the Messiah. That's the word. Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Who is Jesus? Earlier in Jesus' ministry, um, we see the disciples actually struggling with this question. Do you remember the Miracle where Jesus walks on the water as the disciples are rowing. They're trying to get across the Sea of Galilee, and there's a great storm. And they're panicking. Jesus joins them. The other time when he was sleeping in the boat, the storm came up. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wind and the waves, and there was a great calm. And what was the response of the disciples? They were amazed and afraid. It's like they looked at Jesus and said, who are you? You know, who is this? 
This is exactly what they said. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you were to go out and ask people on the street, people in a variety of religions, you'd ask, who is Jesus? What answers would you come up with? Oh, he was a great teacher. Oh, he was, I don't even believe he existed. Oh, he was some Jew that lived a long time ago and uh, he was a radical. Or he was this, all kinds of answers. But when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, but who do you say that I am? The thing is, your answer to that question will reveal whether you are headed to heaven or headed to hell. Who is Jesus? Well, it's not a question that we're left guessing about. It's not a question where we're just left up to the whim of any man's opinion. Because we have the testimony of Scripture. Scripture reveals to us who Jesus is. Some say, oh, Jesus, yes, he's, that, that, that's the meaning of Christmas. He, he came, and he was a baby, and, and this is the most wonderful thing, and, and then he was a great teacher, and if we just follow his teachings, God will accept us. Who is Jesus? Well, I'm going to look and guide you through some scriptures today. And the list of scriptures that I'm going to give you is by no means exhaustive. We don't have that kind of time today. But I want to give you some definite scriptures which will encourage you and help you as you have your answer. Who is Jesus? The answer of the scriptures. Well, let's first go back to the Old Testament. I want to look at three verses from the prophets. Two from Isaiah, one from Micah. The first one is Isaiah 7, 14. Now, these passages will be familiar, but again, we are looking at these in the context of answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? In Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, prophet Isaiah is speaking to the king, to King Ahaz. Ahaz is really a rebellious king. He's not honoring the Lord. And in Isaiah 7, 14, the prophet says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this is prophetically speaking. In other words, it was something that hadn't happened yet. It was going to happen. It did not happen in Ahaz's time. But there was a sign coming, and what was the sign? A woman who has never known a man is going to bear a child. Something that is completely... Uh, uh, above the laws of nature is going to happen. It's going to mer- be miraculous. It has never happened before. This is what's going to happen. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. And the significance here, I want you to look at the name Emmanuel. What does the name Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. This son who was to be virgin born is identified here by the prophet Isaiah as God. Jesus is God. Let's go on. Two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9. Who is Jesus? Here's a prophecy again from Isaiah concerning the coming of the Messiah, the Deliverer. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Jesus is whom he is, God with us, he is here the mighty God. His name is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of course, in the next verse, he gives more description of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end, eternality. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Who is Jesus? The prophet Isaiah identifies him as Almighty God, God with us. In Micah chapter 5, the small prophet of Micah. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Here is Micah giving a prophetic statement about the birth of the Messiah, where he would be born. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. So, the Messiah that would be born in Bethlehem is eternal. The eternality of this Messiah. The prophets in the Old Testament identified Jesus as whom? As God Almighty. Jesus is presented as God. I want us now to turn to the New Testament. In the book of Luke, the very first chapter, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and informs her about what is going to happen. She is unsuspecting of such an announcement. It is a surprise to her. Um, of course, it would be a surprise to any of us to have an angel appear, much less give us a message as was given here. In Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin 
espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Who is the Highest? The Son of God. He shall be called the Son of the Most High, or the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow. And said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the, of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is God Almighty. He is known as the Everlasting Father. He is also known as the Son of, not Joseph, the Son of God. Now here's the announcement that was given, <clears throat> the message from the Lord. The angel Gabriel. What other witness do we have concerning who Jesus is? Well, I want you to turn to John chapter 5. Book of John, chapter 5. In John chapter 5, the chapter begins with Jesus healing the impotent man, of course, on his favorite day to heal, which was the Sabbath. At least that's the one that got him the most attention with the Pharisees. They were all up in arms over that. But Jesus heals this impotent man, and the Jews were seeking to persecute Jesus because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. In John chapter 5, we come to verse 17. And Jesus said this, Jesus answered them, these the Pharisees, the Jews who were persecuting him, he goes, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Verse 18, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but on top of that, he said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. When Jesus referred to God as his father, the Pharisees automatically recognized an equality, and they were not wrong. Yes, they were correct in understanding that Jesus, in calling God his father, was setting himself equal with God. And that infuriated them. I mean, who does he think he is? Here's Jesus. He's a man, just like us. And that 
and their assumption was wrong. He was a man, yes. And in this chapter here, there are several witnesses that Jesus puts forth for evidence of who he really is. The fact that he is God Almighty. In chapter 5 here, John chapter 5, in verses 19 through 21, we see that Jesus claims equality with God in power. Verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Just as the Father raises the dead, I raise the dead according to my will. Who can say that? Jesus is equal with his Father in power. He is God Almighty. In verses 22 down through verse 30, Jesus claims equality with God in his authority. Verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Jesus is no less God than God the Father. The same honor with which men honor the Father, they are to honor the Son, for He is God Almighty. Isaiah calls Him the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, that's the Father, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Look at verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, that is Jesus, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which that all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. In the next five verses, Jesus cites the witness of whom? John the Baptist. Remember the John, that John the Baptist was the son of Elizabeth and Zacharias. He was the forerunner, sent forth to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus says in verse 21, If I bear witness of myself... My witness is not true. Now, when you look at that verse, that seems to be contradictory. How could Jesus say something that wasn't true if he's bearing witness of himself? But that word true means valid as a testimony in a court of law. There is another that beareth witness of me. 
And I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. Now here again, he's speaking to the religious leaders. They sent John, and they sent their messengers and said, Who are you? Are you the Messiah? He says, I am not. But there is one coming after me. He says, Whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. They're speaking of Christ. John says here, there is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the, Jesus is saying this of John, I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye send unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not the testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He, John, was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But Jesus goes on, not only the witness of John the Baptist, but the witness of the works of Christ. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. What was the testimony of the miracles of Jesus Christ? No man can do these miracles except God be with him. If this man, or the, the blind man, if this man were a sinner, he could not have opened the one of born the eyes of one born blind. The witness of the miracles. The witness of the works of Christ. Not only do we have the witness of the works of Christ, we have the witness of the Father. Verses 37 and 38. And the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Now he can then condemns the, the religious leaders here, the Jews. He says, Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. And that was obvious. They did not accept Jesus as the Son of God. They wanted to kill him for claiming to be equal with the Father. And then he says this. He has note the scriptures. Search the scriptures. He's speaking there of the Old Testament. The New Testament had not been written at this time. So Jesus, when he says to the Jews, search the scripture, he says, go back and read the prophets. Read the Old Testament. Read Moses. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think that ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. That ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed in Moses, ye would have believed in me. For he wrote of me. Moses wrote of the coming Messiah. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 18. There he says, there, The Lord will rise up and raise up another prophet like unto me. Him shall you hear. Had you believed in Moses, you would have believed in me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? This whole chapter, John chapter 5, evidence of who... Jesus really is. We have the prophets, we have the Annunciation, the testimony of Christ. The witness here of the Gospels. Go back to John chapter 1. As John begins his epistle, or the, his Gospel, 
which is the story of Jesus' ministry here on earth, John's gospel begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Those two verses are so powerful. What do they say? They identify the Word as being with God and the Word being God. Who is this Word? Remember in the Old Testament, the Old Testament begins in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And how did God create them? He spoke them into existence. His Word created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And we go on. Verse 3 expresses what I just said. All things were made by Him. Who is Him? The Word. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John, the apostle, writing the gospel, and he is now referring to John the Baptist. It's not the same John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. Again, who is this light? The light is the same person as the word. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Who is that again? It's the word. Also, the light. It was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world did not recognize him for who he was. In fact, he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. His own received him not. Who is he? Who is his own? He came unto his own, his own people. But... As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And now verse 14 is the key, which unlocks the meaning of what we have just read. Verse 14, and the word, which was in the beginning with God, and the word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, bear witness of Him. Speaking of John the Baptist again, John, bear witness of Him. Of whom? The Word made flesh. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
even though Jesus was born six months later than John, he pre-existed John. Because he was before him, because he is God. <coughs> he said, John bear witness of him, cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. We believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. God is one God in three persons. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And when you look at the Hebrew there, the Lord, Jehovah, our God, Elohim, which is plural, is one Jehovah. It could be written in English this way, the Lord or Jehovah our gods is one God. God exists in three persons. There's the Father, and from eternity past, if, that's, if we can use that colloquialism here, uh, there's God the Father, God the, the, God the Word, and God the Spirit. How does God exist? God is a what? God is a spirit. He is invisible to the eye of man. How can man know God? God must reveal himself to him. God exists as a spirit in three persons. There's the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And as Paul says in Galatians, in the fullness of the time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. In the fullness of time, what did God do? The Word, the second person of the triune Godhead, the Word became flesh. God Almighty took upon himself human form and came to this earth. That is the incarnation John identifies the Word who in eternity was a spirit. And he identifies him as that one from God who took upon himself human form. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? So here we have the witness of John in the first chapter of John. If we look further in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his Father in this chapter. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his Father. And notice what he says at two points of this prayer. I'm not going to go through the whole prayer, but I want you to see two verses. In verse 5, Jesus says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, which, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. What is Jesus desiring? He has been living on earth in his humiliation. It's what it's called, his humility. He came, as Paul speaks about in Philippians chapter 2, which we will look at. 
He became a man. He humbled himself and took upon himself the what was made in the likeness of men. He came as a servant. And here, as Jesus is praying to his Father, he is reminiscing. He is desiring to be glorified again with that glory which he had before what? Before creation. Before what else? Before the incarnation. Before he became flesh. He is thinking back. He says, now glorify me. Glorify thou me with thine own self, which, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He is God Almighty. He pre-existed in eternity before creation. We look here at also in John chapter 17, uh, 17, verse 21. He's praying for his disciples. In verse 20, he says, Neither I pray for these alone, not just these disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Future believers, which would even include us today, those who believe from the testimony of the disciples. Verse 21, he prays for them that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. Now that right there, is really impossible for us to completely comprehend. But the Bible doesn't say, believe what you understand. He says, you believe my word. I cannot humanly quite understand that, other than that the Father and the Son are one. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In the book of Hebrews, if you were here through the entire book of Hebrews, a verse should automatically pop up in your brain, a bright flashing light. It was Hebrews chapter 1, and it is verse 3. You go back to Hebrews chapter 1, what does it say? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, How did God create earth and all of creation? He did what? He spoke it into existence. That is the word of God. And John says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here in Hebrews, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's. The Son and the Word are the same. Note verse 3. Speaking here of the Son, he says, Who being the brightness of His glory, and of whose glory? Of the Father's glory. Who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person. When you see Jesus, you have seen whom? What did Philip say? Well, Jesus, just show us the Father and we can believe. We, God, you keep talking about the Father. Well, we've never seen him. Well, Jesus said, well, how, how, long, how long have you been with me? And you say you don't know the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen whom? 
the Father, because Jesus is the express image of His person, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His own or His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. And he goes on through Hebrews and exalts Jesus Christ. The writer explains how Jesus is higher than the angels. Of course, because he is the creator of the angels. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God Almighty. In Mark chapter 2, there Jesus heals a man that was brought in by his friends. People would just throng Jesus. They would just crowd around him. And Jesus was in this house speaking. There was no room for anyone to even get into the house. People were hanging out the windows, listening at the door, trying to get as close as they could. And there was a man who was lame. And his friends knew that if he would get to Jesus, he'd be healed. And so they brought this man in his bed on his little gurney or whatever. They carried him in his litter, whatever you call the thing. He was brought to Jesus. He was paralyzed, could not move on his own. And he comes in Mark chapter 2. Jesus enters Capernaum. And it was noise that he was in the house. The, the word kind of got out. And verse 2 says, And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. So I'm probably sure they opened up the windows and the doors so people outside could hear, as many as could get close enough. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, carried by four friends. And when they could not come near unto him for the press, now that wasn't the journalists, it was the, the press was just the, the throng of people pressing close and close, packed against that house to hear Jesus, when they could not come unto him because of the press, well, they uncovered the roof where he was. Somehow they got up on the roof, pulled up the tiles, opened a hole in the roof. That'd be kind of distracting. See stuff coming down in the house, but you just picture this. And they got these ropes, and here they just lower this man down right into the middle of the house, and there was Jesus. It says they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, folks, this has nothing to do with the context, but I want you to think about this. There's some desperate men there. They ripped up somebody else's house. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll fix it. <laughs> do you have insurance here? <laughs> you know, I, this isn't our house. Are, we, are you sure we could do this? We've got to get this guy to see Jesus. You pull off that dial right now. Let's go. Rip it up. And they tear it up. Nothing's going to stop them. And they deliver this man there in front of Jesus, and they lowered him through the roof. And here he is still in his cot. He can't move. He's paralyzed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I'm sure at that point the guys on the roof are like, Wait a minute. That's not what we wanted to hear. We want to see him healed. I mean, he's paralyzed. He needs to be healed. But what did Jesus say? He says, Son, thy, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, 
Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now, they were right in their premise. Yes, who can forgive sins? God only. Their conclusion was inaccurate. They thought this man was blaspheming. But of course, Jesus, being God, knew their thoughts. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to this sick man, this paralyzed man, Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. So Jesus poses this question to the religious leaders, and he says, Which one is easier to do? Forgive sins? Or heal his paralysis? Tell me, which is easier? Well, obviously there's an answer. And the answer is, well, we can't do either one. In fact, only God can forgive sins. Well, they had that right, but who also can heal? Can any man just heal and speak and heal a man that was paralyzed? Well, of course not. Only God can do that. But can the scribes see anything different about the man after Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven thee? No, that's something that's internal. That is something spiritual. Jesus there imparted to that man spiritual life. He forgave him of his sins. What was the man's greatest need? Would it have been just to have his paralysis healed so that he could walk around the rest of his life and function like a normal human being and then die and go to hell? No. It would be better for him to have stayed paralyzed and had his sins forgiven and then been whole in heaven. But Jesus is making a point here. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God Almighty. And Jesus first said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, which immediately made the Pharisees say, Wait, who does he think he is? Only God can do that. Jesus looks at them and says, All right, which is easier? To say, Your sins be forgiven, or rise up, take your bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, I say unto thee, saying to the sick man, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. In other words, we never seen anything like this. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus is, he has many titles. Here we see it. One of the titles is the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He is God Almighty. He is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We have the witness of his miracles, with the witness of the Gospels. We see the testimony of Christ as he cites various testimonies of John, the Father. He shows himself as equal with the Father. In John chapter 20 and verse 28, after Jesus had risen from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there at the time, 
The disciples told Thomas, we've seen the risen Lord. He's alive. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it unless I touch him. There's no way. Well, Jesus reappeared to the disciples again. In John chapter 20, verse 28, and Thomas was there. And Jesus said to Thomas, come here, Thomas. Feel my hands. Reach into my side. You see that spear wound? See the nail prints? Feel them. And what did Thomas say? Thomas looked and said, my Lord and my God. And he was not using a euphemism, euphemism of exclamation to say, oh my. No, he was claiming, you are my Lord, you are my God. Turn now to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is such an important passage. This passage expresses to us what theologians call the hypostatic union. That's an interesting term, but it is talking about the joining of two natures in one person. Jesus was fully man, yet he was at the same time fully God. The Word was made flesh. In Philippians chapter 2 and beginning at verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Somebody say, oh, it just says form. That just means like. No, the word form there is speaking of objective reality. Objective reality, who being in the form of God, and notice, it is using the present participle. Who being, right now, on earth, in the flesh, he is being in the form of God. The objective reality is that Jesus Christ is God. When he came to this earth, he did not stop or cease from being God Almighty. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God in it. In other words, it was not something that he needed to grasp. But what did he do? He said, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Again, the objective reality is that he came as a servant and was made in the likeness the likeness of man. He took upon himself a human form, a human body. He took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came in human form and suffered a human death. In his human death, he did not cease to exist. He was still fully God. But he humbled himself. He did not think it something to be grasped, to be equal with God. He laid aside his glory, and he came to dwell on earth as a man. The Bible says he tabernacled among us. He lived among us, dwelt among us as a man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, who? The name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven, and of things in earth, and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Who is Jesus? He is the Master. He is God Almighty. He is Lord. And every tongue, regardless of what you believe now, every tongue will eventually one day realize and confess and admit, willingly or unwillingly, that He is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Who is Jesus? In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16, Paul says, Without controversy, without any dispute, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God revealed himself. God came in human flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In 1 John 5 and verse 20, 1 John 5 verse 20, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is the true God. He is eternal life. Remember when Jesus was baptized there in Matthew chapter 3. We have the testimony, the witness of God the Father. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes there to, um, comes up from Galilee to, Go- Galilee to Jordan where John was baptizing and he came to be baptized of John. But John forbade him in verse 14 saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The witness of the Father. Now, we don't just have that once. We see it here in Matthew chapter 3 at his baptism, but if you'll turn and look at Matthew chapter 17, we see the exact same testimony of the Father at the transfiguration. Jesus was there. says in chapter 17, Matthew 17, verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, apart from everyone else. And he was transfigured before them. In other words, he changed his 
form. His form was changed. That's the same word, who being in the form of God. Morph, morphe, Greek word, his form, his objective reality was changed before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then it was over. And Peter says this. Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles or three memorials. Um, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. The testimony here of the Father. This is the one. This is the Word made flesh. This is my Son. I am well pleased in Him. You listen to Him. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Hear Him. Of course, there was the witness of the Father there, the witness of John the Baptist, as we've talked about, and of course, back in Matthew chapter 3, as John was the forerunner, speaking of Jesus, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist preaching the wilderness, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. Back in the book of John, John chapter 1, I know we looked at the first part there of that, that chapter, but in John 1, towards the end of the chapter, verses 29 through 34, it's where Jesus was baptized. It's John's testimony here. Note verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? God's Lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should make manifest to Israel, should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I coming, baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth the Holy, with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John's testimony. When I was baptizing, he's the one who came. And I saw the Spirit descend on him in the form of a dove. And have you ever wondered why John baptized? I was reading through this gospel just a month or so ago, and it, 
And the thought came to me, and sometimes thoughts come to me that I wouldn't share with other people because they think they're kind of frivolous. And, but I wonder if anybody's ever thought this. What, who told John to go baptize with water? Why, we, just, we just find John out baptizing in the River Jordan. Where'd he come up with that technique? What, 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 what's he doing this for? I mean, somebody should have had it. Well, oh. And then it suddenly dawned on me. As I read this, there it is. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. Oh, well, there it was. God told John the Baptist to go baptize people with water. I don't know the exact dialogue between the two, but there, there's, that's why John was baptizing. That's why he was baptizing with water. But the same that said unto me, that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Speaking of Jesus, and he identifies him. John says, this is the Son of God. Finally, turn with me to John chapter 16. John 16. In this chapter, Jesus is speaking about the coming Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who he was going to send in his name after his ascension. He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will send another. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Godhead. Before the incarnation, it's the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. There's the incarnation where the Word is made flesh, comes to earth in a human body, as a servant for the purpose of what? Of dying to provide salvation for man. Here, Jesus ascends, but before he ascends, he tells his disciples, when I, I am going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I will send, I will ask the Father, and he shall send the Holy Spirit in my name. And he describes the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 8, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He's going to do these things. Go down to verse uh, 13. How be it? He's a, he just tells them, I have many other things I can, would like to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Look at verse 14. He shall glorify me. Who is Jesus? Jesus is no mere man. Because God, the Holy Spirit, came to glorify Jesus. Jesus is no mere man. Yes, he was fully man, but he is fully God. And the Holy Spirit came to glorify not a simple, sinful human man, not to glorify some great prophet or some great teacher, but he is sent to glorify whom? God Almighty, Jesus Christ. He shall, Jesus says, he the Holy Spirit shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. 
Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, I ask you, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you do not recognize Jesus as God Almighty, then you do not believe 